Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the 362nd episode of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show here on Voice America Business Channel. And we're broadcasting in this eighth year across the world from our studio on Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood in California. This is where technology meets entertainment. It's the happening, most happening place in the world. Where the studio is just up the road from Whiskey Go Go and the Troubadour and all the places that have made LA famous. So I'm investigating getting stem cell treatment to rejuvenate my poor old system and help repair anything that might be out of whack. Now, blood stem cells, they're getting a lot of publicity. There's a hell of a lot of articles and and discussion about um, stem cells, but blood stem cells can develop into all of the different types of blood cells. They extract them first from your bone marrow, process them in a lab, and then they inject them directly into your veins. Ideally, your healthy stem cells then start dividing and take over for any defective blood cells. So I could have um, stem cell treatment and end up being brand new. Sounds pretty appealing to me. Many of the adult body's organs and tissues, including fat cells and blood, they're equipped with their own stash of stem cells. And these stem cells' sole job is to regenerate cells and tissues when older ones are damaged or die off and which can be harvested for research and grow outside the body. And as you get older, you, your body starts to wear and tear and your stem cells start to get a bit old. Now, more than a couple of decades ago, scientists found another source of these flexible cells in embryos that were donated for research from in vitro fertilisation clinics. You might remember there was a big fuss about that. They learned how to grow these cells in the lab and into any cells in the body. That opened up the possibility that conditions like heart disease, diabetes or psychiatric disorders could be treated by replacing damaged tissue or organs with healthy ones, which could provide cures or treatments that didn't require drugs or surgery. Now, that all sounds good, having had a few surgeries in my time. They suck. So a Japanese team's now taken a skin cell from a person. They've erased its life history as a skin cell. I'm not sure how the hell they did that, but and they return it to the clean slate it had in the embryo. So no matter how old you are, they can take my old skin cell and return it to what it was like when I was born, turning it essentially into an embryonic stem cell, and then brand new, your, your system is brand new. These malleable cells can be coaxed in a lab dish with the right cocktail of factors into becoming heart muscle or brain nerves or insulin pumping pancreatic cells, wherever your issues lie. 
So scientists are now testing whether stem cells that transform into heart muscle could replace dead tissue after a heart attack, or whether pancreatic cells that can't produce enough insulin can be replaced with new cells that can. They're experimenting with whether it can treat brain disorders like Parkinson's with new neutrons made from stem cells that can replace the damaged motor nerves in the brain. So with stem cells, we may be able to treat almost any ailment that anyone has. I've got friends that have had stem cells injected into their knees when they've had problem knees, and uh, after a few months, they're brand new. The stem cells rejuvenate the knee. So, stem cells can lead to new treatments for diseases where they can replace ailing cells, and labs across the country are incubating so-called mini-brains made up of tens of thousands of brain cells grown from IPS cells to serve as models for studying psychiatric disorders from autism and schizophrenia. So when you consider the entire universe of stem cell research, from IPS cells to the new use of blood stem cells, this is an unbelievably exciting time to be in medicine. Incredible. So scientists are also making headway in regenerating tissues and parts of organs to simply replace ones that are affected by disease. So if you've got an organ that's got some form of disease, maybe it's cancer, and the, organ, and the organs have been destroyed by tumours, people can grow new ones from their own cells. And this reduces the risk of rejection from a, heart, uh, from a transplant because they're your own cells. So what is happening is that stem cell-based biotech companies, they're popping up all over the country. There's heaps of them to address different types of diseases, and this will forever change the way that we treat diseases and illness. So this is an extraordinary advancement in medicine. And if I have a stem cell procedure, I will let you know and I'll keep you appraised of my progress. You won't know me. I'll be a brand new person. I'm looking forward to it. Do you get my 30-second read daily business newsletter? We now have about 1.7, 1.8 million daily subscribers and it takes just 30 seconds to read, well, that's not quite true. It really takes about a minute, unless we've got a really difficult topic, and then it might take two minutes. But every day we tackle a different subject, from advances in medicine to new apps to new technology. We talk about things like Hyperloop, autonomous cars, blockchain. In the last couple of days, we've been discussing the dark web, what it is and how you can protect yourself from hacking and identity theft. And some of the information is unbelievable. Down on the dark web, you can hire a murderer, for example. You bid, somebody accepts the bid, you've just hired a murderer. And when the job's finished, you give them a rating. It's like a Yelp for murderers. It is unbelievable. And you can get all these things done really inexpensively. So if you um, if you missed the last couple of days' newsletters, you, uh, you've missed a lot. I've actually got a lot of um, 
requests to run yesterday's again, so give me a few weeks and I might run them both again. So it was over two days. So to keep abreast of all the new developments in business and technology, ensure that you're able to compete with this ever-competitive world, you've got to get the Bob Pritchard newsletter. And it's simple. Simply go to my website, which is bobpritchard.com, and enrol. Simple as that. And if you don't want to get it, you simply unsubscribe and you will be gone same day. It's really, really simple. Now, I still hear people who are sceptical about blockchain and cryptocurrencies. I don't know how, but there are still a lot of people around who are sceptical. So let me share with you some information on IBM, Microsoft, Facebook, Amazon, Oracle, Baidu, Tencent. Now, they are some of the biggest companies in the world, and they're all major corporations in blockchain. Blockchain's permeating nearly every industry from healthcare to supply chain management and enterprise tasks from finance to commerce. It is extraordinary. Look at IBM. IBM leads the way with 1,500 employees working on blockchain. And IBM claims 32% of corporate blockchain market share. In 2017, the company went live with its blockchain as a service product, and this allows companies or government agencies to set up a trusted network where members can share information. 1,500 plus employees at IBM on blockchain. Mm, sounds like a reason not to be skeptical. How about Microsoft? Microsoft has a number of blockchain fronts capturing a 19% market share, second only to IBM, and Microsoft's filed patents for trusted execution environments that secure and support blockchain. Additionally, the company's starting to roll out a royalty and content rights blockchain platform onto Xbox that will allow publishers to connect to the blockchain to create and agree on business terms. And uh, Microsoft's also collaborating with Accenture and Abenard on a blockchain-based identity prototype that uses Microsoft Azure. Does that sound like you should be sceptical about blockchain? Or how about Facebook? Facebook's reorganisation formed a blockchain team led by former PayPal president David Marcus, and he had to step down from the board of crypto exchange platform Coinbase so he didn't have a conflict of interest. Now, employing cryptocurrencies will allow Facebook to permit microtransactions. You know, the minimum at the moment is $3, but this will allow them to do two cents if they want to and could entice customers to buy goods on Facebook with discounts available by circumventing the typical credit card processes and fees. So you can use crypto and get rid of the fees and Facebook may be able to leverage its position as the de facto app login and parlay itself as a login player into decentralized apps so Facebook's up to its neck in crypto and blockchain does that sound like you should be skeptical oh well let's go to Amazon
Amazon recently announced AWS blockchain templates to enable enterprises to launch Ethereum or Hyperledger fabric networks in a much faster manner. So building on its dominance in cloud computing, as you know, Amazon's the biggest cloud computing company in the world, AWS blockchain as a service offering could enable developers to test out international payments. Again, Amazon using the blockchain. Oracle, one of the third or fourth biggest company in the world, is adding supply chain blockchain services. Oracle's blockchain as a service offerings are allowing businesses to make proof of concepts with distributed ledger technologies, which is blockchain. And the service currently boasts clients including the Arab Jordan Investment Bank, Cargo Smart, Certified Origins, IntelliPost, Customs, SolarSide Design. Oracle says the next frontier is to move into to help enterprises build smart contracts. That's Oracle. Still sceptical? Well, let's try Baidu. Baidu is experimenting with an IP management blockchain. The Chinese search giant debuted its blockchain project Totem, which manages intellectual property rights of images. Baidu hopes to launch rewards to image contributors, providing more efficient image licensing and preventing infringements. Baidu, still sceptical? Okay, let's go to Tencent. Now, Tencent, as you know, is the giant behind WeChat, and they've announced their blockchain as a service platform called Trust SQL, which will incorporate blockchain technology for enterprise use. The three-part system includes a core chain layer, a product and service layer, and an application layer. In addition, Tencent's bank subsidiary joined the financial blockchain Shenzhen Consortium, which consists of more than 30 major companies collaborating on blockchain solutions. So the focus on blockchain is accelerating rapidly across the world in all industries. So stop being sceptical. Get out and get amongst it. Now, my guest after the break is Shannon Susco. She is terrific. I've had long chats with her. She's a serial entrepreneur, a CEO, an advisor, and a corporate board member. She's also the Amazon best-selling author of The Metronome Effect, Journey to Predictable Profit, and Three Hag Way. And she'll explain a lot about that coming up after the break. They're fantastic books, both of them, that can assist any business, a startup. doesn't matter whether you're a startup or whether you're a multinational. They are equally applicable, and people have had phenomenal success with them. Shannon co-founded and sold two very successful startup companies in less than six years. I really love this lady. This lady is great. So this is Bob Pritchard. I'm broadcasting across the world this week from my studio on Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California, where entertainment meets technology. I'll be back with Shannon in just a moment.
Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Radio Show. Over the last seven years, God, it doesn't seem like that long. It seems like only yesterday I was as nervous as hell doing my first show. The seven years, we've tried to give you the insights into the lives of somewhere around 350 or 360 of the world's most interesting business people. We talk about what they do, what challenges they face, and what we really try to do is find out what it is that makes them tick, what makes them different than most others. Now, it's extremely difficult to create a successful business. And that's evidenced by the fact that only about four new businesses out of every hundred succeed. So four out of a hundred is not a very, very good success rate. And so we need to learn all we can from those that have been successful and from those who advise entrepreneurs. You know, there's a lot of a lot of great trainers and advisors and, and experts out there that we all should be listening to as as much as possible. I often talk on this program about the need for mentors, and I've had mentors, I guess, for the best part of 50 years, and you surround yourself by people, and mentors are not people who your best friend that you went to school with that's now a, um, an electrician or fixes motor cars. Um, your mentor are people that have been successful and are successful and understand how business works that can give you advice on the things that you need to be able to become successful. So the sole aim of this segment is to provide you with tools to assist you to become highly successful. And my guest today is Shannon Susco, who's a serial entrepreneur. She's a CEO, an advisor, a corporate board member. In other words, she's bloody smart. She's also the Amazon best-selling author of The Metronome Effect, Journey to Predictable Profit, and Three Hag Way. We'll find out what that means shortly. Shannon's got more than 20 years of experience building and leading high-growth technology companies, mainly in the financial services sector. She has co-founded, served as CEO, and led the sale of the two companies less than six years apart. 
Subservio, Inc., and which he founded in 2008 and sold in 2011, and Paradata Systems, which he founded in 1995 and sold in 2006. She also lives in Whistler. So the fact that she's had two very successful companies which she's managed to flog for huge amounts of money explains why she can afford to live in Whistler and run a business worldwide. Shannon coaches CEOs and leadership teams from around the world who want the same success using the same system. She's the co-founder of Metronome Growth Systems, which is a cloud-based business platform for best practice high growth businesses. They're CEOs, leaders, and business coaches. Shannon was recognized as one of Canada's top 40 under 40, and was awarded the Sarah Kirk Award for Canada's leading women entrepreneurs in 2006. And she was named Dealmaker of the Year in Vancouver in 2011, and was in the top three mid-market deals on Wall Street. So this bird's pretty smart. Hi, Shannon. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. You are being heard all around the world. Thanks, Bob. It's great to be here. Good. So how's Whistler? Well, Whistler's great right now. Beautiful fall weather, getting ready for uh, lots of snow coming up here in the next month or so. So we're looking forward to a great winter. Yeah, last time, last time I was, <laughs> funny, last time I was in Whistler, um, I was in a, in a car and I got a flat tyre and... Um, <laughs> My car was absolutely full of booze from top to bottom because my son had joined us on a holiday and brought all this booze and, of course, <laughs> left it to Dad to bring back. So I break down in Whistler. I've got a car full of booze. I need to change the tyre, have to ring the and – and, sorry, and the um, police come past and stop. And, of course, here's this car <laughs> full of booze. But I lo- Whistler's cool. So you're a successful yep. serial entrepreneur, CEO, a coach, and yeah. a two-time yep. best-selling author, and you live in beautiful Whistler. So how did all this happen? Are you from Whistler, or you've just moved there since you've managed to sell a couple of companies and got rich? <laughs> no, I actually am from the east coast of Canada, moved okay. to Whistler uh, 28 years ago. Right. And, uh, you know, became a ski bum. Yep. But uh, you can only do that for so long. I think I lost it a year or so. And then, um, you know, created my first company, which was a global payment processing company. And we decided it was, you know, mid-90s to late 90s that why couldn't we do it in Whistler? Right. Of course we could do it in Whistler. So we built that company up over 10 years um, and really... Uh, I'd say the first four years of that business was, you know, you could make every, we made every mistake you possibly could in starting out and building a company and growing a company. And the last six years of that business was really, you know, such a foundational time because we really learned through, you know, the markets blowing internationally, you know, the internet bubble blowing up, really what we had to do to create a company that not only we could create value for our shareholders in and sell it into the U.S., but as well ensure that value remained within the company, even though that I got to exit a couple of years after the fact. 
And so Whistler just happened to be a great place to build a company. So if you're if you're an entrepreneur and you're in an out of the way place, and most entrepreneurs that I speak to say, you know, if you if you're in Melbourne, you've got to be in Sydney, and if you're in the, the states, you've got to be in Silicon Valley or you've got to be in Silicon Beach or or whatever. If you're and Whistler's fairly remote, how do you, how do you build a company in Whistler, particularly with te- with the technology that's needed? Do you do all that? Do you, is there talent there to, to have them hands-on or do you have to do it all sort of remotely? So we were able in our first company, it's such a good question because we actually questioned it ourselves. I think our board of directors and our investors questioned it back in the day quite a bit when we started that company. But we built that company up to 120 people based in Whistler. And some of the talent came from away, as you can imagine. They came from actually all over the world uh, to join the company. It was a global company. And then a lot of the talent, you know, half to more than 60%, came from Whistler itself because just like myself and my other team members at the time, we were highly educated, wanted to live where we wanted to live and do something, you know, really cool, really impactful and grow ourselves while we're doing it. So it really appealed to people and it wasn't very hard to attract people to work with us. It wouldn't, I guess it wouldn't have been hard once you've sort of half made it, but initially, surely it would have been really difficult. Here's a, here's a ski bum that thinks she's a, an entrepreneur um, <laughs> and I'm working, well, I'm working that, in Silicon yeah. Valley. Why the hell would I go to Whistler? <laughs> yeah, no, I I got to tell you, Whistler was a huge draw to attract, you know, the people that fit our core yeah, values sure. and our culture. It was really easy. The ones who didn't want to come, we knew weren't a fit. Yeah. You know, and it was, and as we grew the company globally, you know, we had 120 people on Whistler, but we had offices in Zurich, Switzerland, and we had, uh, you know, people scattered throughout the U.S. And so, you know, we did have some remote people, but the, you know, the 90% of the people were in Whistler. And, and it worked out really good for that time. Where did you get the inspiration to start this business? I mean, what what was the business and where did the inspiration come? Did you wake up at 2 o'clock one morning and go, aha, I've got this brilliant idea and I'm going to do this big <laughs> company? How did it come about? Uh- So it just came about um, through meeting another ski bum, a 15-year-old who was in grade 10 in high school in Squamish, B.C., and another gentleman uh, who was a co-founding partner who was in real estate marketing development. And uh, the 15-year-old had a really great technical idea to solve a problem that had, you know, in the geographic information systems market, which was, you know, protect the data, you know, allow it to be streamed and downloaded. It was a very regulated market and it was opened up. Um, But that's not where we ended up. You know, it was a great idea. The four of us came together to build this business and we were building it while um, the 15-year-old David Slick was, you know, finishing high school, which was a really (laughs) interesting mix for the whole thing. Um, and I love this he story was, already. and <laughs> he was an young. encryption specialist. <laughs> yeah, he was wow. amazing. He was my partner on the technology side. Wow, fifteen. Yeah. So yeah. So 
I was just going to say the interesting thing when we build businesses, and we all know this, and for anyone listening, is we start out with a good idea, yep. right? And David Slick had a great idea, and we all got behind that idea, all with our own skill sets. But, you know, I always say we are three times lucky, you know, at my first company, Paradata, because we, you know, pivoted, you know, evolved, pivoted. So. And the third time, we ended up in global payments and payment processing and building that up and, you know, really having our phone ringing off the hook. You know, we had it right the third time. And we are very fortunate to have, you know, the resources to do that and to make those pivots. And that's usually the tough thing about getting a company from zero to successful. Uh, yeah, there, there, there's really two problems, isn't there? The first, the first problem is that usually the entrepreneur is great at thinking up ideas, but is a lousy businessman. And um, if you're an entrepreneur, you've got to be, you've got to wear about ten hats. You've got to be the entrepreneur. You've got to right. be the salesperson. You've got to be the HR person. You've, yeah. you've pretty much got to be the janitor. So. Um, yeah. And that's the first problem is the skill sets. And the second issue, of course, is raising money. So you're sitting in Whistler. How did you raise money or did you raise money and how did you go about it? Yeah, with our first company, we raised a lot of money. We did uh, a couple small rounds and then when we hit global payments, we did a very big round. We raised all our money outside of uh, Whistler, outside of Vancouver, outside of British Columbia, we raised our money actually from the U.S., from New York, uh, from Silicon Valley, and we also raised it out of uh, Toronto, Ontario. And uh, we're just, you know, fortunate with the network. We had a really good story. We understood, you know, that the value of that story, how to execute it, and then, of course, you know, how to ensure we could close funding to make it real and to make it happen. So did you go out and do a dog and pony show to a whole bunch of venture capitalists or were they? Definitely. <laughs> definitely. Even had my time on Sandhill Road. You know, I definitely did, you know, the dog and pony show, whether it was 15 minutes is all I would get, you yeah. know, or, you you know, you might get up to an hour if they were generous. But the busier the market got, of course, the less time because there's so many opportunities. There's so much money at that time. You got to think it was, you know, mid 90s. Yeah. So it, it's so it, it's hard raising money for most businesses, small business startups, is heartbreaking. I mean, how many times yes. can you hear the word no without thinking, "Why the fuck am I doing this?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're obviously very and, determined. <laughs> very determined, but I would say with the time we're raising that money and we did three rounds yep. for our three pivots and the last one being the, the largest I mean you actually get good at it and we got good at it in two ways one we got good at it figuring out how to map out you know where we needed to be this month out three years and where we're going to be in 10 years but then we got really good at telling that story and you know turning it into the story around a return on investment for the investors yep. so we were fully subscribed before we even went out the third time. We went out more to promote, you know, the company and whatnot. And and that was a big time. If you look at my second company, we decided we're not going to raise any money for the second company. We're going to customer fund it. 
And uh, that was one of the learnings and the goals, you know, of the first time round. Yes, we can go out and spend the time raising money. But the second time round, we took everything we learned and we said, let's figure out the right business model to customer fund our business without having to raise money. That's great from an equity perspective. Yes, it is from an equity perspective, but I think I learned even from a um, just making money perspective, lots of companies go out to raise money on a good idea and they're not really sure how they're going to make money. Companies that make money and have strong cultures, we know, win. Uh, Companies that don't make money, (laughs) have strong cultures, don't win. You could even have a lot of cash. And I would say in the first four years of my first company, we had a lot of cash, but it took us three pivots to figure out how to make money. And so I'm all about, let's figure out how to make money. And if we can make money in a way that our business model will customer fund it, Let's do that first. It just gives us as entrepreneurs and anyone out there, you know, starting a business, driving their business, it just gives you a lot more control if you can make money, customer fund it, and put cash in the bank before you take any investor's money. Because it's amazing how many people, you know, I get people coming to me all the time saying, you know, I've got this idea, you know, can you help me? Have you got any money? Um, And um, a lot of people come and say, well, we're going to – it's going to be free for the first 12 months and then, you know, as we, as yeah. we grow, we, and that's just the kiss of death. And, right. you know, people expect you, investor, I find that today and people, investors expect the entrepreneurs to be intending to do something good for the community, but more importantly, yeah. they want to make a bloody profit. So... Yes. Profit one, doing good two. And I think both of those today are important. Do you agree with that? Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with it. And I I really think, you know, uh, I work with a lot of different size of companies and different stages of companies, whether they're raising money, whether they're in the process, the final step of selling the company. But all along the way, you got to make money. Yeah. You know, that's the ultimate to make money and and I believe what we learned in the process was not only do we need to know how we're going to make money today and actually execute on that but we have to be really good at predicting the future and showing our execution path on what we predicted and I would say my second company why it was such a validation of the methodology we wrote about in the metronome effect and then you know the three hag way is all about the strategic execution system you know, that really, our second company really proved that um, that process, that methodology, because we we're able to say, here's where we're going to be three years from now, quarter over quarter for 12 quarters, you know, end up there. And we took term sheets on that, you know, in the third year on the 12th quarter for, a re, you know, for deal the year in Vancouver, for you know, uh, top three in New York. It's unheard of, but what they valued the company on was our ability to predict the future. So they paid for a future value of our company because we were able to show them that not only could we predict it, we could actually deliver on it. Right. And it's a huge, like, that was a huge, like, my first company, yes, we did that. We did it well. We sold the company. We got valued on the future. 
Our second company, because we started out with this methodology that is outlined in the metronome effect in three hag way, that that us getting better as a team at predicting and then finding our way to actually deliver on our three-year highly achievable goal, that's what 3HAG stands for. A three-year highly achievable goal is uh, is sort of, I call it the goose that lays the golden egg. Any company, any team, any leader can do that really, really will see the benefit for you know their shareholders, whether it's themselves or, or it's outside investors. Yeah. It's easy to raise money on that stuff and it's easy to sell your company on a three hag. Well, I've got to get a couple of these books. Um, I was trying to work out what three hag meant because I'm, I'm used to BHAG, which is big, hairy, yes. audacious goal. And so I'm looking yes. at it thinking, hairy, audacious goal, what the hell is the three for? <laughs> and I just couldn't quite work yeah. it out. Um, yeah, so, so I love that you say that because Jim Collins and BHAG, everyone needs one, a big, hairy, audacious goal, 10 to 30 years out. And most people have a what I call a one HAG, a one-year highly achievable goal, which is their annual plan, and they're, you know everyone's got one. But no one maps out between now and three years away because right. it's really scary, actually. Everyone's afraid to be wrong. But as soon as you start writing it down, both your fiscal plan, your milestones, and how you're going to get to that unique position aligned to your BHAG, aligned to your big, hairy, audacious goal. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it's, okay. it's a little bit of a play on it. I'm, I'm, I'm looking, actually looking forward to reading this. You know, I spent a lot of time trying to raise money, and it's a pain in the butt. I can't stand yeah. it. I haven't had any training in the money. You know, all my qualifications are, well, in business, I suppose, relates to money. But um, also... Um, I've got a science degree, but when you take those two things into account, it does, when you stand up in front of investors, it's a whole different ballgame. Um, talk about the metronome effect. Where, where did the name come from? Does that yeah. relate to a metronome? <laughs> yeah, so the, the name came from me being out on a run at the 12th hour of the book, you know, being finalised and I didn't have a name. But the metronome effect came from the disciplined habits that we all need as CEOs and leaders and people who are playing on a team together in order to ensure that we all have the same beat. And the metronome is, you know, all about uh, truly when I thought about it long enough is that myself being that CEO was the metronome. Um, I was the one who had to set the cadence in the company, but we all had to beat to the same rhythm. And so I had taken piano for many years as a young person, and I remember my teacher always setting that the metronome, and I had to play to the beat. And so as a CEO, we had to set a disciplined beat. And so that's where it came from. But it really came out of and was founded upon Vern Harnish's one-page plan, and Rockefeller Habits from back in the day. And we, you know, learned the one-page plan, but then we built a whole growth framework around it that included what we called six systems, which is the cultural system, the team cohesive system, the human system, the strategic system, the execution system, and the cash system. And so that's how you get the metronome effect by making sure all those beat together. Because as entrepreneurs, we know that we're going to focus on one and then the other one gets out of whack and then we focus on that one and now another one's out of whack. And 
we know if we don't have cash, we only focus on cash. Yeah. And then they all, all the rest become out of whack. <laughs> it's yeah, just, sure. you know, so the whole methodology is founded upon practically implementing, you know, all the systems that make up a business, but um, learning how to, you know, create the practical way to implement it for entrepreneurs and leaders who want to grow their business. And it works for really large companies. I work with a couple hundred million dollar companies today and a and billion dollar companies I've worked with. And I've worked with a company that just started last week. So the framework is solid, founded upon the thought leaders of our time in all those areas, whether it's Pat Lencioni, Jim Collins, Michael Porter, all those tools are involved in it, involved in it because those are all fundamental pieces of growing uh, a company. So why did you write the book? Did you write it to be helpful? Did you write it to make money? Or did you write it with a goal to being able to sell coaching courses? Well, I wrote him. This is always funny. <laughs> be honest. <laughs> I'm going to be absolutely honest. So I wrote the book because I didn't want anybody to be as desperate as I was to grow a company. Okay. I figured it couldn't be that hard. I read in a two-year period. Seriously, I figured someone must have written a book, and you know, here, what's the prescription? This book is super prescriptive, yeah. and nobody had wrote it. I read basically, um, you know, four books a week for twenty-four months, looking for the book. Right. I didn't find it, obviously. So that's why I wrote the book. So I figured that's my give back. After I, you know, I built one company, I never thought I'd build another company. But after I sold the second company, I was like, I got to write this down. And I wrote it, I wrote it down. So actually, so people wouldn't call me. I figured I wrote it down because now I I told everybody, here's how you do it. And I did it like step by step by step. Here's the system. And, you know, it was very particular, but I actually put a website up so you could Download all the tools and the steps so people actually wouldn't call me. Now, you can imagine the exact opposite, opposite thing happened, yeah. which I don't mind. Everything I do is about one to many. My core purpose today is to ensure no one is as desperate as I was to grow a company. Because <laughs> I was pretty desperate there in around four years into my first company. Yeah. I was like, why is this so hard? I understand. So now, yeah. now you just on your way up from your mansion to your Lamborghini, you just think of new ideas. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> sometimes, but really, uh, everything I do now is uh, is actually to impact leaders and CEOs so they can, I want to impact them so they can impact their team and their company and their shareholders and truly the families of all those team members. Because I think of what my teams have benefit from as we grew our companies and, you know, got a great uh, return on those investments. You don't have to sell the company to get a return. Sure. You just got to put cash in the bank. You know, yep. sometimes that's the return you're looking for. And so, you know, interestingly enough, uh, everything I do, whether I get asked to speak somewhere, asked to coach a company, um, it's all about just, you know, I evaluate it all, but it's really about where can I spend, be most efficient and make the most impact? Because, again, like the books don't exist to actually lay out a methodology and a prescription on how 
we should actually grow our companies. It yeah. sounds ridiculous. It sounds like it should have been out there. So that's why the metronome effect exists. And then, funny enough, I never thought I'd write another book. That wasn't the um, point either. But once I started um, coaching, you, I got involved with Gazelles International. Did you, and did you enjoy writing what the, the three was. Did you enjoy writing the first book? I loved it. And oh, the reason you? why I loved it, I, I, I was going to say, I, I'll t- I didn't think I was going to love it. But the reason I did love it is because it forced me to take out of my head all the things we did together as our leadership team and team to put the framework in place. Yeah. You know, and put this growth methodology in place. And I had to write it down. And it just made it so clear. And so obvious, and, you know, the feedback on that first book from CEOs, leaders, and business coaches has been overwhelming. It's been amazing. That's great. Is, is it targeted? If you're, if you're an entrepreneur with a brand new company, you've got a great idea, there's you and your mate in a garage, um, is this book equally applicable, applicable to them? <laughs> yes, Yep, it will work for a startup, and it will work great for a startup. When I think that's the methodology we applied to our second company before we opened the doors, right? And then we followed through on the whole framework after the fact is why we got such a ridiculous valuation of that company in you know three years, three months. It's unheard of. Right. Um, and then it also works for you know a two hundred million dollar company because it's based on human behavior how teams work together, you know, setting the goals, aligning them, and ensuring what we do every day, we know why and what we need to do. It's okay. like just, you know, so it's down to earth. Three Hag Way, the second book, was released a few months ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what's this one all about? You wrote, you wrote everything you knew in the first book. What's the second book about? <laughs> Well, the one thing I didn't write in the first book, because I didn't know how special it was, was the three hag. And we uh, had set out, uh, I guess because we're subscription-based businesses, both my businesses were software as a service, Mm -hmm. platform-based. So we mapped out 36 months of planning, forecasting, and if we missed any day or any week, any month in our forecast, it was going to blow that whole, you know, rollout of 36 months. Right. So we started mapping out 12 quarters, 36 months, and then tracking it religiously every day, week, month, and quarter as we rolled forward. And I just thought everybody did this. You know, I just grew up this way as a CEO and entrepreneur. And when I started coaching, all my clients, you know, did this and great success. And then another coach, one of my colleagues, uh, Rich Manders, asked me about the three hag, and I explained it to him. He goes, do you mind if I do that? Could you give me the tools that you use? And I said, sure. And then so he implemented it with one of his clients, Pulse Point, and uh, they were up on the stage a year and a half ago with Bernd Harnish at the Growth Summit. And yep. They were up there because they had grown so, at a considerable rate over the last three years. And Bernd asked Sloan, the CEO, so uh, tell me about your growth. And he basically said, well, Vern, it's all about the three hack. And I literally almost fell out of my chair, honestly. I didn't realize that was a company that uh, Rich 
you know, tried this out on and it worked very well. And that day I was like, I got to write this down so others will be impacted by the three hack. Everybody needs the goose that lays the golden egg for their business. And, and so we just took a really deep dive into a step-by-step. It's how to build your strategy and tie it to your, ex- and really operationalize it, tie it to your execution system and never let, you know, most people think strategy is static. We believe it's a system, it's dynamic, it's alive. Should always be with you, and it needs to align to your execution strategy. So that's where it came from. Literally, you know, one of those. I didn't expect to write a second book. Um, it got released in April. It's gone off worldwide. That I'm really quite blown away with, and so much so that uh, we've got 40 coaches from around the world that are right now certifying in the methodology to take to their practices and their countries to, you know, make as much impact as possible using it. So I hadn't had that one planned either. It's been it's been quite a year. So you're obviously an extremely disciplined person if you can track everything every day, every week, every month, every week. <laughs> yes. Are you one of those people who opens up the fridge and says, shit, the milk's in the wrong place? Are you, are you <laughs> a really little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my background comes from being a high-performing <laughs> athlete. Yeah. And so you've got to create those habits and that <laughs> discipline in order to do well in sport, and you have to do the same thing in business. Yeah. No, okay. But I, I thought I knew the answer before I asked the question. <laughs> um, so where yeah, can I know co- you did too. <laughs> <laughs> so where can coaches and CEOs and other leaders learn more about the metronome effect and, and three have where, where do they go to get they go to Amazon obviously to get it um, what should, yeah. if they want to get in touch with you how do they do that well the best way to get in touch with me is to go to shannonsusco.com um, all the tools are there the information on you know the books are in print they're audible they're Kindle and all the information there we've tried to be as forthcoming as possible to share the tools, share the steps, share the methodology. And then for coaches who want to get certified or learn more, you can apply through the website and my team will get back to you right away to, you know, figure out where the next certification program is being held. I've got, I've, got to, I've got to say that the reason I got on to you was that a very good friend of mine that I've known for about 54 years uh, wow. recommended you to me and uh, Keith Miller in Australia and uh, yeah. he he raves about you. He was telling me, you know, saying really nice things about you. So um, he's earned whatever yeah, money you paid and, him. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he was one of the first coaches to go through the Three Hags certification program in Australia, in Melbourne. And uh, yeah, no, he's definitely uh, dedicated to impacting entrepreneurs and helping them grow their business. So I'm very thankful for that. Shannon, thank you very much for speaking with me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. So yeah, you're very welcome. It's been a pleasure. Don't forget you can get a hold of Shannon at Shannon Susco, S-U-S-K-O dot com. So Shannon Susco dot com. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business after this short break.
from the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Absolutely No Bullshit Business Radio Show on Voice America Business Network, broadcasting today from where the entertainment and technology intersect, Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California. There's over two dozen major corporates, including Google, Apple, Tesla, Mercedes-Benz, BMW, building self-driving and electric vehicles. Now, it's incredible how disruptions in one industry, by disrupting the motor vehicle industry, can cause serious upheavals in so many other industries. I had a look at other industries that will be disrupted by autonomous vehicles, and I found 33 major industries that will be disrupted or put out of business just by the introduction of autonomous electric vehicles. The first one, of course, is insurance because driverless cars will be safer. There'll be less auto accidents. Demand for insurance will decrease. Some insurers are now already rolling out policy based on how many miles you drive. Another one's auto repairs. There'll be far less accidents, so you won't need your car repaired. Professional drivers and trucking, well, taxis and trucks will be automated, putting 4 million drivers out of work. Hotels, motels, driverless cars could lead many motel customers to sleep in their cars because you won't have steering wheels and all that stuff. Airlines, many people will take an on-demand car ride for shorter trips instead of going through the hassles of flying. Because in the, new, in the new autonomous cars, you can sleep, prepare for meetings and do all that stuff without worrying about driving. Auto parts. Electric car engines have six moving parts compared to hundreds of moving parts in a conventional engine. So auto parts are gone. Ride hailing. Ride hailing companies won't have to pay drivers anymore, but they'll have to shoulder the cost of owning cars because the public won't own them. Public transportation. Well... A driverless car will take you exactly where you want to go, when you want to go, even out of way locations, and it'll be cheap. So buses and shuttles and minivans and school buses, they'll all be gone. Parking garages and parking lots, you won't need them. According to McKinsey, driverless car fleets will save 61 billion square feet of car parking space in the US alone. Parking spaces take up one-third of all city land. Well, they'll be gone. Fast food. You know, 70% of McDonald's business comes from people driving past and going, oh, I'll stop there. But with autonomous and, and electric vehicles, you won't pull into the local because you'll be being driven. Food preparation and delivery. Well, all food will be delivered by autonomous vehicles without any drivers. So food will be able to be prepared in delivery trucks on the way to wherever you're going to drop them off. Energy and petroleum, you won't need gasoline because of the electric cars. So 120,000 gas stations are going to disappear. Real estate, people won't have to live in the city for real estate So you, because you'll be able to 
get uh, driverless cars and move around pretty quickly. Media and entertainment. Well, media and entertainment will have to provide programs into the car, which will be passenger information, mapping, you know, all that sort of stuff. Deliveries, because empty driverless cars will deliver pizzas and laundry and mail and groceries and all the rest of the stuff. There'll be no need for delivery people driving from house to house. Bricks and mortar retail, as drones and autonomous cars take over delivery. Bricks and mortar stores will become less important and they'll also see less walk-in traffic. Now, that's just 16 industries and I found a hell of a lot more. In fact, I found another 16. So one industry I won't miss is litigation. There won't be so many accidents, there won't have so many litigants. Now, remember, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. It's easier and much more rewarding to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. Anybody can do the ordinary. If you're always trying to be normal, you will always be boring. Normal people, boring. You can be amazing if you become exciting. So I hope you'll join me again next Tuesday. We'll again be broadcasting from Hollywood, California. In the meanwhile, continue to be successful because the alternative to success really sucks. This is Bob Pritchard. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.